Hello, I'm Mercedes. And I'm Tash. And you're listening to episode 73 of Chat Disney. to another week of the Chat Disney podcast. Today, Tash and I are thrilled to be chatting about a really important topic that is very prevalent right now in the entire globe. We will, of course, be dedicating today's episode to the very important Black Lives Matter movement. And we will be wrapping up the end of today's episode with a quizzy modo, which we haven't done for a little while. But before we get into all of that, let's have a quick look at what's been happening in the world of Disney this week. So of course, with everything that has been going on for the most part of this year so far, all Disney productions have come to a halt. But Disney did announce some good news this week and they have continued the voice work on The Little Mermaid. So Jacob Tremblay, who is the young actor who is giving his vocal talents to Flounder, was back in the studio this week recording his part. So very exciting, positive news and hopefully over the next few weeks we'll see production start on some other pieces as well. Absolutely. And the world really is starting to get back to a little bit of normality. I am absolutely so ecstatic to be able to say that the fireworks are back at Shanghai Disney Resort. They are, of course, the first Disney park to reopen the fireworks. And we're informed that there are social distancing measures in the crowds. So super exciting and hopefully a sign of things to come. Very exciting indeed. I'm really pleased that they've got the fireworks back. Music to my ears. Other exciting news that was just announced a few days ago, Disney Pixar have announced the title of their next big blockbuster. This is going to be released in summer 21, so we actually don't have too long a time to wait for this, and it is called Luca. All we know about it so far is that it's about a boy um, embarking on a journey for an unforgettable summer, and it's set in an Italian seaside town, which I think is a little bit different, so I'm very excited to see what this entails. No more information about it at the moment, can't wait for the teaser trailers and the um, concept art to start coming out hopefully very soon. That is really exciting. Something that will definitely pique the interest of the diehard Disney fans is a new documentary that is going to be coming to Disney Plus on August the 7th. It's going to be called Howard and it's going to be a look at the life of the wonderful Howard Ashman, who did, of course, provide us with some of the beautiful music from the Renaissance era. The last movie that he worked on, I believe, was Beauty and the Beast, but unfortunately he passed away of AIDS just before the movie was released which is a horrible, tragic story and I'm sure one that the documentary will cover in great detail. I myself am a huge Howard Ashman fan so I'm really looking forward to giving this one a watch. I'm so excited about this but I think it's definitely going to be one where tissues will need to be at the ready. Um, And other exciting news in terms of Disney Plus and what they are doing for us at the moment, they have just bought the rights to the classic Black Beauty. Obviously, Black Beauty is originally a novel. It has been made into two films in the 70s and the 90s, and there is a TV series of it as well. Now that Disney have the rights of it, they are going to be doing their own contemporary adaptation of it for Disney Plus. I don't know if they've announced whether this is going to be a film or a series at the moment. Not a lot of information, but... Any lovers of the classic tale out there, obviously it is a very, very famous story. This is definitely one to watch. 
Absolutely. And final bit of Disney news for you all this week. The Emmys nominations have, of course, been announced and Disney are well in there with 145 Emmy nominations. And this is, of course, across the entire span of Disney work. So this is including things on Disney+, Plus, ABC, ESPN, and Hulu as well. And some notable mentions in there are, of course, the wonderful Mandalorian, the Star Wars series that launched on Disney+. Plus. That's got quite a few nominations. And interestingly, nominated for Best Short is Forky Asks a Question. I have watched that show. I am very, very surprised to see that it's Emmy nominated. But there we are. Big congratulations to Disney for all of those nominations. And that is pretty much everything that's been happening this week. We're now going to move on to the main part of the episode, a celebration of black stories. So following the Black Lives Matter movement, which has taken the world by storm, Tash and I wanted to dedicate today's episode to celebrating the Disney stories that feature Black characters, a celebration of Black stories, as we said in the intro. And we have spoken a little bit about the Black Lives Matter movement on this podcast before when we were talking about the Splash Mountain attraction at Disney World and at Disneyland. But we wanted to focus on the positivity around the movement a little bit more. And so that is why we are bringing today's episode to you all. Absolutely. And for those of you who have Disney Plus, you may have noticed at the moment Disney Plus have created a new segment on the channel. Um, And it is, I think it is called Celebrate Black Stories, isn't it? And it is basically a whole host of films featuring black characters, black actors, um, stories about black civil rights, that kind of thing. There's films, there's series from Disney Channel. So there's a lot of stuff on there if you are kind of looking to expand your viewing material and watch some of these things. Some of them are, as I say, are kind of more about the topic and the issue directly, whereas others just feature, you know, a strong black cast. Um, So that's what we've done. We've taken a look at some of these pieces this week and we're going to have a run through of them. So Mercedes, out of the things that are available on the Celebrate Black Stories, what is your experience? Have you seen many of the pieces previously? Did you grow up with any of them? Any of your favourites on there? Yeah, I think overall, if you have a look at all of the content that Disney have put out there that feature strong black characters or centralized stories around black culture and things like that, what's really overwhelmingly obvious to me is that so much of this content is Disney Channel content. And growing up as a child that absolutely adored the Disney Channel, this meant that I was surrounded with black characters, black stories without even realizing. I didn't see the race. I didn't see the color of these characters. I just loved their stories. You know, for me, I loved That So Raven just as much as I loved Lizzie McGuire. I didn't see the color. It was just, well, Raven psychic and Lizzie's a bit of a nerd. And and that was the difference between the two programs for me. So I think to answer your question, Disney Channel has certainly embraced black lives and black people and black stories since their inception, really, but it has taken a little bit of time, I think, for the Disney animation, certainly, to catch up, and also some of those live-action movies, too. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree with you. So let's start off, as you say, with the Disney Channel. It's something that we both grew up with. I think you did more than I did. Um, But let's kick off with that. So Raven, again, as you say, that was one of my favourites growing up. I loved watching that. So Raven, it is one that I feel like I didn't really get into until I was a teenager. But I was trying to think back um, to when I used to watch it. And thinking about the individual episodes and if they raised issues of race and skin color and I couldn't really think of it and it's like you say all I remember is watching that show and just enjoying it and enjoying it as a you know I was a white teenager and enjoyed watching the stories about Raven and Eddie and Chelsea and the family um, I did however today because I haven't seen it in so long actually watch an episode um, which is from season three which is called True Colours and as far as I can find or remember it is the only episode that directly addresses the idea of racism so this episode if you're not familiar with it um, it's basically Black History Month. Corey is doing a school project about black history. So you've got the dad who is educating Corey on black history. So it's got a very educational aspect to it. Um, and then there's a lot about racial discrimination. So Chelsea and Raven both apply for a job. Um, and in the interview, Raven comes off great. Chelsea comes off terribly, but Chelsea gets the job. And the woman actually says it's because she doesn't hire black people. Um, which actually, when you watch it back today, I think it is a very, very important episode in what it addresses because whether this is good or not as we said the rest of the episodes and seasons I can't think of another episode that does that I might be mistaken but no, it's the only, about her and yeah. yeah no it's the only episode that I recall that that features any sort of um race conversation as well I could be mistaken but it's definitely the only one that springs to mind for me and I remember being a child and watching that episode and I was shocked about it. But again, I think that, you know, as a white person living in in Britain, particularly in the South as well, it just felt to me like it was a plot of a television story. I, I hadn't made that kind of link that that actually happened to people every single day all over the world. So I feel like they could have even push that story even further and and I'm sure that if something like that was coming out now they absolutely would because correct me if I'm wrong Tash because you've watched it more recently than I have but in my memory the woman just kind of says it as like a flyaway comment and then you have that kind of audience sound effect where the audience kind of mumble like oh and then Raven's just kind of really upset and then obviously you know this woman gets her comeuppance and you know they, they get revenge on her but what I would have liked to have seen is actually Raven say, well, you're a racist, like to her face, because that is absolutely what should happen in that situation. And, you know, I, I mean, I actually find the storyline quite laughable now because I, I really hope and pray to God in this day and age that that sort of behaviour just would never happen, that somebody would openly say, I do not hire black people. It's absolutely preposterous to me, but, you know, I'm sure it does happen. I'm sure it does go on. So, yeah, I think, yeah, it's the only episode that I recall that really addresses that race issue. I haven't watched Raven's Home, which is the spin-off of that. So Raven that came out pretty recently on Disney Channel. So I'm not sure if they explore that theme further in any of those episodes, but certainly um, from the original That's So Raven and Corey in the House as well, his spin-off, I don't remember there being any other narrative around race. 
Yeah, I think, like, I really like what you said then. And I think this probably sounds terrible now, but I think part of the whole thing with Black Lives Matter is admitting kind of where you've fallen down in the past and being more aware now. And it's like you say, I think that when issues like that were addressed in things like that are so raven, we totally just saw it as part of the narrative, as you said, and didn't really think about it. And obviously we knew what racism was, but we didn't experience it. Like we went to a predominantly white school. We didn't really see racism in our daily lives. And I think it's only now that we're older and everyone's a lot more wiser to it that you realise it is still very much an issue. So I don't know if that's so raven, if it's a good thing that they didn't focus on it too much and it was just stories about, you know, an African-American family and, you know, kind of getting on with normal stuff or if they should have taken the opportunity to delve into issues of race a little bit more I feel like they may have missed the mark a bit with with some of the episodes they could have put it in a bit more but I don't know I'd like to go back and watch some more actually to see if it does come up in any of the other episodes because I feel like it should yeah definitely kind of putting a new lens on it and, and watching it in that way I guess like you know in the early noughties it probably was quite difficult for them to even get that one episode dedicated to the issue of race because it just wasn't spoken about as, as prominently as it is today. And, and yeah, as you say, if this show was being made today, I'm sure we'd have a completely different narrative on our hands. So looking at the Disney Channel a little bit more then, there's some other really awesome content that's come out over the years by Disney Channel that really celebrates Black Lives. And looking at Raven as well, she was, of course, one of the four Cheetah Girls. Cheetah Girls obviously featured two Black characters as well. And Raven was very much the four front the the leader if you will of the cheetah girls so that was a really refreshing thing to see um i loved cheetah girls it was one of my favorite disney channel original movies but then other than that you have got things like the proud family which absolutely celebrates you know african-american families and heritage and things like that but apart from that that's a raven proud family and cheetah girls Every other black character that I can think of that I saw on the Disney Channel was a sidekick character. Interesting. Yeah, that's so, a very good point there. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking of, you know, Vince in Recess. TJ was the leader, Vince was the best friend. I'm thinking of Chad in the High School Musical series. I'm thinking of Tyler, uh, Taylor McKessie in the High School mu- Musical series as well. So often these actors were playing characters that were the best friend character. Um, another one that that springs to mind for me is Zendaya. I mean, Zendaya, huge star, but in Shake It Up, she was very much the secondary character. Yeah, I think you make a very good point there. I mean, now looking back on it, yeah, you see things like Raven and the Proud Family and you do think like, oh, great, like, you know, couple an animated series and a real, se- a real series about... African-American families, how brilliant. But then actually you look at everything else, what like Boy Meets World, Lizzie McGuire. um, There's a whole host of things about middle-class white American families and the balance is very significantly off there. And I think now you reflect on it, Disney Channel could, and Disney in general, could have got, you know, black characters and black lead characters in a lot more, which I guess, you know, almost leads us on to talking about Princess and and the Frog. Brilliant. Yeah, Disney got a lead Disney princess, African-American, fantastic. But it took them until 2009 to actually do that. 
yeah yeah I mean it was way too slow um and I think that you know it came from a real need to I mean I okay so let me put this situation to you and I think we've actually spoken about this on the chat Disney podcast before I don't like to live with regrets I don't think regrets are helpful for anybody you write your life as you go and you know these dreams of oh I was meant to achieve this at this age and I was meant to have bought a house at this age I was meant to have got married at this age is nonsense because that hasn't happened. You write your life as you live it, you're present in the moment and you know the future is a mystery to us all. But one of the things that I really thought that I would have achieved right now in my life is working at Disneyland. It was something that I would grow up and I would visit Disney parks and as a child, there was no question in my mind that whether it was for a summer or a year or I went and lived out there, I would be a Disney princess at some point. That was a dream of mine as a little girl. And I used to look at the princesses and think, well, I've got tan skin, so I have to be Pocahontas or Jasmine. That's kind of my only options. But then I would kind of look at my face shape and think, actually, I've got quite a round face and I do have kind of, you know, black eyebrows. Maybe if I, you know, don't go in the sun and wear a lighter foundation, I could pass a snow white, potentially. I do have the round sort of plump cheeks. And I used to enjoy kind of looking at these characters and thinking, oh, who could I be? Obviously, I could never be Cinderella or Sleeping Beauty, they're blonde, they're fair. And it absolutely breaks my heart to think of a little girl like myself that was black, maybe African-American visiting one of the American parks, maybe black living in Europe, visiting a Disneyland Paris type park, or even a black person living in Asia and visiting those parks. Any black person to stand there in the 90s as a little girl and think, I'll never be a Disney princess because none of them look like me. That absolutely breaks my heart when I think about that. And I can't imagine how many little girls, they probably didn't even realize that they hadn't thought about it. They probably didn't even think I can't be a Disney princess because they don't look like me. They probably just never even considered being one because there was no representation. Yeah, it's a very, very good point. And that is, again, I think something that Disney, yes, like, Tiana we love her and it's great obviously we've spoken about her a lot recently with the whole Princess and the Frog Splash Mountain um takeover um but she's still only one character and I think you make a very good point about great now little girls have a role model but then you look at how or like someone they can relate to in terms of the Disney princesses and and Disney characters in general but then you look at someone like me like Obviously, I wouldn't, but like I could be Belle, I could be Cinderella, I could probably get away with being any of them because I am fair and they're all fair. And it also raises the question of what about little boys? Like, there's still no one really, there's not a main central black African American um, Disney character that little boys can relate to. There's Cobra Bubbles, that is literally the only black male animated characters so there's one there's also one in atlantis but the very fact isn't there but the, the very fact that we're talking about this and trying to find one and we've come up with one from atlantis don't even know his name cobra bubbles. yeah his name is sweet sweet that's it and cobra bubbles not really a lot so i feel like in that sense disney still have a long way to go in terms of kind of getting representation out there and providing more characters for more children and people in general to relate to and look up to and see themselves in. 
Absolutely. But let's talk a little bit more about Princess and the Frog, because as we said, today's episode is really a celebration of the Black stories that Disney have provided us. And yes, there aren't that many, but the ones that we do have, oh my, like I love Princess and the Frog. It's one of my favorite Disney movies. I think it is so underrated. I think the music is fantastic. And yeah, I'm surprised that this film doesn't get more recognition and obviously there was quite a lot of controversy when it first released I think it was Whoopi Goldberg that famously kind of said oh great like we get our first African-American princess and she spends half the movie as a frog so there has been a little bit of backlash about the film but in general I think it's fantastic I absolutely love it I completely agree with you this is probably one of my favourite Disney films. And I remember at the time when it came out in 2009, it was part of kind of that um, new era where they had agreed they weren't going to be doing these crappy straight to DVD video releases and whatever. It was a way of getting Disney to, you know, pick themselves up again and going back to doing the traditional fairy tale story. And this was kind of the first one that did it. So I remember when they announced it, it was a huge deal. And then I remember when they announced that they we were going to see the first African-American Disney princess. And again, at the time, I thought, oh, that's great. But I didn't really think of it in the same way I did now and how groundbreaking that was and how much that would mean for so many people. But... I think it's such an underrated film and I am so happy, all of you know the Black Lives Matter stuff aside, I am so happy that it is finally getting the recognition that it deserves and it is going to be you know, its own attraction in Disney parks and I think that they are going to do such a fantastic job of it. Like you say, the music is fantastic. I can't really fault that film, to be honest with you. And it is one of the last pieces that we see with, you know, hand-drawn animation. And it does make me sad that we have moved over from that style now. Obviously, you had Tangled released after that, and that's very much in that CGI style. And it really makes me sad that The Princess and the Frog is kind of the last film that we have in that traditional Disney animation style. Um, And that is probably one of the main reasons why I will always love that film. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, very much where Snow White kind of was the one that started them all. It feels like Tiana was the one that kind of drew the line under that era. And who knows what's going to happen in 10, 20, 50 years time. Perhaps there will be a movement back to the classic hand-drawn animation. I certainly hope so. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, when when you talk about Black Lives Matters and you talk about celebrating Black stories and you talk about Disney, you cannot move away from the princess and the frog it was such a historical moment for you know the disney company and and for black people as well black disney fans um i yeah i i have nothing but absolute love and joy for this film absolutely i completely agree as well let's have a look at some of the other movies so i guess one of the biggest ones is actually one that i haven't seen and i apologize to everyone for this and I will watch it at some point I promise but Black Panther what you haven't seen I thought you had no I haven't seen it I will watch it but I haven't seen it yet oh Black Panther is just oh amazing like honestly this movie is honestly I think it's my favorite Marvel movie if we're not including any of the Avengers movies of all time and not only is it our first black Marvel superhero and a real celebration of black culture and black lives and black stories but it's actually just a really fantastic film anyway it was the first Marvel movie ever to be nominated for an Academy Award that means something it is so 
good and it is full of so many talented actors we've got Angela Bassett in there Chadwick Boseman we've also got Lupin Young like so many brilliant actors I absolutely love it I love the fictional town of Wakanda I can't believe that the narrative came from Stanley like I was watching the movie in the cinema like wow they must have adapted this pretty heavily because there's no way that Stanley wrote this you know when the original Black Panther comic came out they must have adapted this and, and done quite a lot of poetic license but no Stanley was very much ahead of his time he wrote that Black Panther narrative and they've just made a fantastic movie out of it so yeah Black Panther a must see you need to watch it Tash it is spectacular I know, and I kick myself for not watching it ahead of this episode. I really should have done my homework and watched it, and I definitely will. And I would say out of all of the Marvel movies, obviously regular listeners will know that I am not a massive Marvel fan. And this is one that I am actually genuinely very intrigued to watch because I've heard so many fantastic things about it. And there is a bit in um, Bob Iger's book where he talks about Black Panther and he talks about, as you were saying, Sadie's, about Stanley coming up with the concept. And it's really interesting because I also didn't realise, I thought that it was you know, a completely original concept that Disney came up with by themselves. I didn't realise that he had anything to do with it. So, um, yeah, again, pretty groundbreaking for for its time. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, so I did know that Stanley had something to do. Like, if there are any Marvel fans listening right now, they're going to be like, what? What I meant specifically was, like, the technology side of Wakanda. I was like, there's no way that he developed that back in you know, the 70s or 80s or whenever it was. But yes, Tash is probably like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but that's a very nuanced detail that comic book fans would be like, you didn't know that Stan Lee came up with Black Panther. What's wrong with you? You should not be making this podcast. <laughs> so that is definitely one of the most exciting Black stories, I think, that there is. And there is another that's probably equally as famous maybe a little bit more controversial if you ask Tash and I and that is of course the live action Lion King and whilst yes this is obviously a CGI adaptation featuring lions there are so many powerful incredible black voice actors and musicians and artists that lend their talent to this film so we could not do today's episode without talking about the Lion King. Absolutely. And so if you look back at the original 1993 version, it's a predominantly white cast. You've got a few black actors in there. You've obviously got Whoopi Goldberg and Ashenzi and you've got James Earl Jones, who infamously plays or lends his vocal talents to Mufasa. But then looking at the lineup for the 2019 version, as Mercedes said, it is a predominantly black African-American cast with a few white actors in there, obviously Seth Rogen, Billy Eichner, who played Timon and Pumbaa, um, but everyone else pretty much is, you know, very, very strong. We've got Beyonce in there. We've got James L. Jones again. We've got Donald Glover, a huge host of black actors. And I think it's really fantastic that for this movie, they seized that opportunity, saw what they could change from the original and let's be honest it is the only thing they changed from the original and they took the opportunity and they went with it and I think it works fantastically and it is the one bit of praise I will give to that movie yeah there's one other bit of praise that I will give that movie but I have a feeling we'll be talking about that very very soon but yeah I think that you cannot set 
a movie in the plains of Africa and cast a white Caucasian cast. And, you know, obviously back in 1993, nobody batted an eyelid about that. But having people like Jonathan Taylor Thomas voice the young Simba and then Matthew Broderick do the old Simba is so problematic, I I feel. And I can't believe that, you know, even as long ago as the 90s, they, they thought that that was a smart choice. Um, the mind really does boggle. So having that celebration of Black lives and Black stories and a Black cast in the new Lion King is, yeah, as Tash said, one of few positives about that remake. Um, and I, yeah, I, I'm so excited to uh, be talking about that again in a little bit. And um, something quite topical came out this week that we will be talking about towards the end of the episode. I'm sure you all know what I'm referencing. But before we get into that, there are a few other movies that I wanted to talk about. The first one is a live action based on a Disney attraction, a classic Disney attraction. And the classic Disney attraction does not feature any Black or African-American people. But when Disney made the live action adaptation version, the movie version, they decided to centralise the story around an African-American family. And that is, of course, The Haunted Mansion. Now, this movie is a flop. I think we can all agree. But how awesome that they decided to do that. Like, they absolutely did not need to do that. All of the characters that we see on the attraction are Caucasian. So that was a choice. That was a very conscious choice and one that I do celebrate. Yeah, I completely forgot that movie. And interestingly, it doesn't appear in that segment on Disney+, Plus, obviously, because it is such a flop. Um, it is a terrible movie, unfortunately. But again, like you say brilliant opportunity for Disney. They thought of something, they went with it. Um, I think there are some race issues in it, aren't there? Or there was some controversy around the old storyline or something I can't remember. I think we've spoken about it on this podcast before. Yeah, um, yeah. But I can't remember exactly what it is. And I don't have any interest in going back and watching that, that film again. But like you say, let's commend Disney for what they did with that movie. Um, another movie that I want to talk about that is a very famous one and is also based on, well, not based on a ride, this one's based on real events, is Cool Runnings. Cool Runnings is one of my favourite movies of all time. I absolutely love this film. Um, so it obviously follows the Jamaican bobsleigh team who completed in the 1988 Winter Olympics. The thing I love about this, it is only loosely based on the real events of what happened. Um I like that it's very much a true story and in the sense that it's not one of these completely happy ending, you know, they don't go on to win the Olympics and it's all happy days, but they do come together as a team and they do compete. And the thing I love about it is that it kind of shows, you know, when they're training in Jamaica, they don't have access to a lot of these things. So the bobsleigh that they make is just, if I remember rightly, it's made out of old scrap metal and bits of tin and a lot of it is like them practicing in a bathtub very famously. There's that famous scene. Um, so they don't have, you know, the access to a lot of the things that, you know, the Canadian team have. Obviously, they've been training for years. And initially, everyone thinks it's completely ridiculous that these four Jamaicans can come over and complete in the Winter Olympics. But they prove everyone wrong. And that is what happened in real life. And I love that. And I think that's a very inspirational 
tale and I know it is a real story but I think it's great that Disney made a movie of it because it is a very inspirational tale of not sticking to the path that is set out for you and actually going off and doing something different and not doing something just because of you know your culture and where you came from yeah you put that really well I actually have never seen cool runnings and now I'm not going to bother because you just told me they don't win at the end so why would I bother watching (laughs) it's such a good movie though and it's so fun I love it it's so good you should definitely think, watch it. Yeah, I think it's a movie that Grumpy actually quite likes. But he obviously doesn't know that it's made by the Walt Disney Company. Otherwise, he would never admit to that. But yeah, I mean, when I think of black stories, you know, as you said, with that menu on Disney Plus, you're scrolling through, Cool Runnings is one of the first ones that pops out. It's such a famous story and such a celebration. Um, as you said, you know, it's real life events. So fantastic that this actually, actually happened. I think that really does make all... The difference. The last thing that I wanted to talk about as well, we've spoken about Disney Channel, we've spoken about Walt Disney Animation, we've spoken a little bit about Disney Plus and Marvel and live action and all these different types of content. We have not spoken about Star Wars. And traditionally in Star Wars, there's only really one black character, again, the sidekick character, and that was Lando Calrissian. And we didn't get to see very much of him until hopefully, fingers crossed, the rumours are true. So Donald Glover, who also lends his voice to Simba in the new Lion King movie, is rumoured to be reprising his role as Lando Calrissian, as young Lando Calrissian. He played him in the solo Star Wars movie in his very own little docu-series. And I'm really excited about this. It's great to see not just a lesser known, you know, really loved Star Wars character get their own show, but also one that is featuring a black actor as a black character in a galaxy that doesn't have very many black people at all, really. There's not very much black representation. Obviously, we do get Finn, in the newer Disney movies. I'm a huge Finn fan. He is fantastic. Interestingly, John Boyega, who plays Finn, has actually said that his Finn days are behind him and he will not be reprising the role as that character, which absolutely breaks my heart because he is my favourite character from Star Wars. But yeah, Donald Glover as a young Lando Calrissian with his own Disney Plus series, I'm excited and I think is really big step in the right direction for that franchise absolutely I completely agree with you I mean again we don't need to mention that I'm not particularly a Star Wars fan here but I think it is such a big platform and appeals to so many people on so many different levels that again good to you know do what they can and and get more sort of black African-American characters and actors into it um So for me, I mean, that, as I say, there is a whole host of movies and things that you can watch on Disney+. Plus. We've kind of put together the ones that we've seen or we, you know, have a connection to. Um, But that, of course, doesn't include the latest that has just come out only a couple of days ago. It's being talked about all over Twitter. And that is, of course... Black is King, which is the new visual concept album released by Beyonce. Mercedes, what were your first thoughts about this? I'm very excited. Mercedes and I haven't actually spoken about this with each other yet, so I'm very excited to see what we both made of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I kind of hinted a little bit when Tash said that the only good thing for her with regards to the new Lion King is the cast, and I would extend that and say 
the music is one of the other really good things to come from that film. Obviously, lots of the songs were in the original, but I'm talking specifically about the Lion King, the Gift album, which came out last year. And that's where all of the music for Black is King comes from. It comes from the album, The Gift, that Beyonce released last year. And I would say that I'm embarrassed and ashamed that Black is King has anything to do with that live action Lion King. And I wish it didn't because I do think it's really gorgeous and I hate the Lion King remake and I wish that the two things could just be totally separate um first thoughts I'm not a huge Beyonce fan and I know that's controversial because most people worship her I do think that she's fantastic and I do like a lot of her music but I'm not a diehard diehard fan like I would never pay 150 pounds to see her in concert or anything like that Lady Gaga yes book me a ticket Beyonce As I say, I enjoy her music, but I'm not like a huge, huge fan. That said, I think this is one of the best things she's done for a little while. I was quite disappointed with Lemonade, which was her visual album that she released a couple of years ago. I felt like this was much more exciting than Lemonade. I loved the ways that she visualized really significant moments that happened in the Lion King film. Things like Mufasa's passing away was that gorgeous white set with the white coffin being carried out and it was all quite clinical and that was quite powerful as a shot and the very beginning as well where she was wearing this kind of couture bridal-esque dress on the beach and holding the baby in this really maternal gorgeous shot we actually saw Blue Ivy in that moment as well and that was of course as a symbolism of the birth of Simba and you know Rafiki holding him on the top of Pride Rock so that was a really nice depiction of that moment I think my favorite part of the entire visual album was brown girls is it is it brown skin girls brown I think skin girls. yeah brown skin girls and there were some lyrics in there that were really clever she talks about Naomi Campbell and Lupita Nyong and Kelly Rowland and then all of those women made appearances and that was just quite fun and playful and a little bit more like the Beyonce of you know my youth I would say um the kind of music that I would dance to in my bedroom and that sort of stuff so I really really liked that and one last thing that I want to say in terms of first impressions, and I actually made a comment on my phone about this so that I wouldn't forget, but there was a lyric at the very, very beginning during that moment that I was just talking about where Beyonce was kind of holding this baby and it was meant to be as a symbolism of the birth of Simba. And there was a lyric where she said, life is your birthright. And it made me feel really, really emotional because, you know, we we know watching this that it is a, a visual experience that kind of embodies Lion King, but also it's a comment on the Black experience in this world. And that line, life is your birthright, absolutely just, oh, it was horrible seeing this gorgeous baby and thinking this baby isn't going to have the privilege of some other of the babies that are born at the same time just because of the colour of its skin. And he or she, or I assume it was a boy because it was Simba, he cannot control that and he shouldn't have to. It's a skin colour. And why should he have a different life, a different experience to somebody with a different skin colour? It really spoke to me, that lyric, and made me feel quite emotional Um, And as I say, that was in the very opening. I didn't feel emotional anywhere else in the hour and 15 minutes of viewing. Um, But yeah, so they're my first impressions. What were yours, Tash? Pretty much exactly the same as what you have said. You've said that very nicely. I'm also not a massive 
Beyonce fan. I didn't listen to the Lemonade album. I used to like her in my teen days, but I'm not a huge fan now. Um, I also don't listen to new music, really. I tend to maybe hear stuff on the radio and that's how I get new music. Apart from that, I listen to the same songs over and over again. So like the fact that I actually sat down and listened to this and watched it, I think the fact that there were visuals massively helped me. Um, and again, still, there were some songs in it. The Brown Skin Girl song, I really liked that song, but a lot of the other songs... As songs I wasn't massively fussed with. I do think, as you say, there were some very good, poignant lyrics in some of them. Um, but I did just find the whole thing compelling. I think visually it's spectacular. It is a beautiful piece of art. The cinematography is amazing. All the costumes, the staging, the dancing, everything about it is... I couldn't take my eyes off it, really. I thought it was incredible. Um and I liked seeing, you know, how she incorporated other actors and, you know, famous celebrities in there. Kelly Rowland made a comeback. That bit made me feel a bit emotional when she was, they were like two black women kind of talking to each other, telling, you know, and she was singing like how beautiful she is and stuff. That made me feel a bit emotional. Um, and I think it is very empowering um, for black people, for black women, and also for women in general as well. I think it is an empowering piece of art and, I think Beyonce is a huge symbol of female empowerment and this transcends very nicely in this film. Um, I didn't realise before I watched it how closely it would be linked to The Lion King. I actually never listened to the album The Gift when it was released last year. Um, and obviously straight away within the opening, we have that speech, that monologue from um, Mufasa straight away. So I was like, oh, okay, it's going to be quite closely linked. And I don't know if it really needed that or not. I quite liked, I mean, you mentioned again, the um, the death of Mufasa with the funeral scene. I quite liked going through and working out like what points of the film they need they were. So I feel like they didn't really need the voiceover so much, but it felt a little bit shoehorned into it in places. But I don't know, maybe that is going to make it more appealing for a younger audience. Um, I mean, the whole point of this is to kind of appeal to young people and show them what they can achieve and what they're capable of and, you know, how life can plan out for them. So, yeah, I overall, I would say, I think it's a very, very good piece of art. Yeah, it's very much an art form, definitely. Just a few other bits that um, really kind of spoke to me and, and really stood out for me. I loved the juxtaposition of having scenes like the chess moment where Beyonce was very much the queen. She had this kind of pearl headdress and then you had like the chess pieces, some dressed in black, some dressed in white, kind of making their moves. And I guess was kind of synonymous with the really classic literary text, Noughts and Crosses, which obviously is about race. Um, so that kind of spoke to me about that. But then also you had those moments where Beyonce was dressed head to toe in a cheetah skin uh, jumpsuit with a cheetah print car and a cheetah print you know dances and it was very classic R&B early noughties Beyonce so you did get those kind of really quite sincere sort of like maternal ethereal grand moments but then there were also the playful moments as well and I really really liked the juxtapositioning of that I loved that Beyonce was rocking the spit curls I actually read a whole blog post about spit curls and about their importance the other day and how you know they're natural to, to black women if you don't know what I'm talking about spit curls are like the baby hairs that you get around the top of your hairline and black women have embraced them for a really long time and styled them and incorporated them into their looks and Josephine Baker who was a really famous black burlesque artist uh 
big shout out to my friend Jo for introducing me to the world of burlesque and therefore I know who she is and know a lot about her and um, Josephine Baker really sort of was one of the first people to pioneer the spit curl and, and, and celebrate it. And in recent years, there's been quite a lot of white artists, um, Ariana Grande, the Kardashians, Kendall Jenner, that have used spit curls as part of their look. And it's seen as like appropriation because they are a natural part of Afro hair. So to see Beyonce rock them for me after reading that blog post and, and learning about the history of the spit curl and how, you know, empowering it is for a black woman and how important it is to their heritage. I loved that. And I'm sure there are so many black women that were really excited that she was rocking that look as well definitely yeah I think one other thing I wanted to mention as well is I liked how much Blue Ivy featured in it as well I mean this is you know got nothing to do with the race thing but seeing like a mother and her daughter on screen together and like Beyonce is this absolute symbol of power and then Blue Ivy kind of in the same costumes and even having a bit where she was singing like I thought that was a really really lovely touch and just yeah kind of very empowering towards like the whole notion of motherhood and I really like that that made me feel a bit emotional as well yeah it was interesting to me because I definitely got that female empowerment motherhood vibe from it as well and then at the end it was dedicated to Beyonce's son sir And she has two daughters and a son. And yes, I understand it's, you know, about kings and Simba and, you know, growing up and becoming a man. Um, And she does say, you know, it's dedicated to Sir Carter, which is her son, and all of the other children, da-da-da-da-da. But I was like, what about your girls? Like, I I was shocked that it was dedicated to him. Yeah, I'd be like, cheers, mum. Thanks. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, as, as it goes, I think it's a very original important piece of art especially with everything that has been going on at the moment you know she's a very not relatable but you know she's an icon for a lot of people and a lot of people as you say do worship her so the fact that she has released this thing that is a complete exploration of you know black is beautiful and black culture and it incorporates all those themes alongside the theme of the lion king I think it's really clever I think it's very very cleverly done Definitely. And, and, you know, I have friends and and relatives and things that are huge Beyonce fans that haven't really, you know, had big discussions about Black Lives Matters and haven't posted about it on social and stuff like that. So I've kind of been pointing them in the direction of this and saying, oh, I think you're going to love this. You know, it's Lion King and Beyonce. Give it a watch. And hopefully, you know, by watching that, it might pique their interest a little bit and encourage them to do a bit of research and find out more about the movement. And I think that can only be a good thing. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. Marks out of ten. Oh well, I don't, I don't know because I think looking at the visuals and the story and how it's done, I'd probably give it a good ten out of ten. But I can't take away from the fact that I'm not a massive lover of the music, so I'd probably give it an eight for me. Wow, that's quite high. I would give it like a six and a half, but that's because I would say a visual album's not really my jam. I love a long music video, like the telephone video with Beyonce and Lady Gaga, 100%, 10 out of 10, watch that any day of the week. And I felt that way about this at the beginning going into it, but an hour and 15 minutes of me watching an artist, you know, back to back and not an artist that I'm a huge fan of as well was quite trying. So 
it's definitely not for everybody. There'll be a lot of people that turn it off in the first 10 minutes because it's just not their thing. And that's fine. But for me, yeah, I appreciated it as an art form, but I, it's not my thing, I would say. So maybe six and a half. Yeah, I think I surprised myself with how much I actually liked it. Maybe that's why I've been quite generous there. But it has been, people are raving about it on social media. It's got 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, actually, I don't know if you've seen this, but if you like or if you give the heart on a comment or something that's got the hashtag of um, Black is King on Twitter, the heart changes into a little lion, which I thought was quite cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I love it when they do, because I did hashtag earlier about this, actually, for this episode. And you get like the bespoke hashtags and it featured the icon that was on the gift album, the Lion King, the gift album. It's two lions kind of in a circle. Yeah, I think that's what the heart turns turns into. Oh, nice. Love that. Love that. That is cool. So that is pretty much everything we're going to be talking about today. We hope that you have really enjoyed today's episode. As I say, an extension of the Black Lives Matter movement, but more importantly, a celebration into the Black story as told by Disney and if there are any that we didn't mention today perhaps we've not seen them and you think that we'd really love them and would like to check them out you can always send us a tweet at chat Disney UK or Instagram at chat Disney we are now going to move into the final part of today's episode Quizimodo done a quiz in a while and I feel like it's because most people are probably sick to the back teeth of quizzes because of lockdown everyone was on the quizzes I had about three on a week on the go at one point but we haven't done one on this podcast for a while so we thought today hey we do love a quiz we're going to do a round of Quizimodo so Mercedes has got some questions for me I don't know what they're about I don't know how I'm going to fare I might do awfully play along at home and see how you do Nice. So you could have guessed today's topic. It is, of course, going to be an extension of the episode. We're going to be celebrating Black lives, Black stories, all that jazz. So I've got five questions, all Disney, of course, that are linked to today's topic. And we'll get straight stuck into it. Question one is a princess and the frog question. And I would like to know who voices our princess Tiana? Oh, Anika Nonny Rose. It is. I always remember that because I love that name. Anika Nonny Rose. It has a nice sort of melodic ring to it, doesn't it? It does. Well, we're off to a great start. If you at home got that one right, then give yourself a point. Second question. This is a question from Lilo and Stitch. And we mentioned Cobra Bubbles in today's episode. But what I want to know is how does Lilo realise that his first name is indeed Cobra? Oh, oh my God. I actually don't think I know this. I haven't seen Lilo and Stitch in so long and it's not one of the Disney films I'm most familiar with. Does he have a like a cobra on something, like a cobra badge or a cobra on top of a cane or something? A cobra in a car? Something to do with he has a cobra. You're not far off. He has on his knuckles the word cobra spelt out on each knuckle. Ah, uh, okay. Oh, yeah. Nice. Classy. <laughs> really classy. Yeah, exactly that. Okay, so we're one out of two, two for two at the moment. So, yeah, if anyone at home is doing better than Tash, give yourself a little pat on the back if you got that one right. 
Moving on to question number three. We spoke about The Haunted Mansion today and how the live action version of that movie features a black African-American family. And we spoke, actually, I don't think we did speak, but the, the father figure is Eddie Murphy. I don't think we actually said that today, but it is Eddie Murphy. What I want to know is what other famous Disney character does Eddie Murphy lend his voice to? Mushu. <laughs> it is Mushu. That panicked me for a second. I was like, oh my God, for a split second, Mushu. <laughs> it is Mushu, yeah. He does, of course, lend his voice to Mushu in the 1998 classic Mulan, one of my most favourite films. And unfortunately, the voice of Mushu has been somewhat ruined for me because whenever I hear it now, I just hear Donkey and that really stresses me out. Donkey from Shrek. Yeah, I know what you mean. Okay, question number four. We're almost at the end of today's Quizimodo. And I do have a little bit of a Star Wars question for you, kind of, not really. Well, we spoke today about Donald Glover and how he voices Simba in the live action version of The Lion King and how he also plays Lando Calrissian in Star Wars. But what I want to know is what is Donald Glover's stage name? Oh, God. Donald Glover. Donald Glover is, um, isn't he that rapper? Um, oh my God, what's his name? All I can think of is that music video that's like really graphic. Um, oh my God, this is on the tip of my tongue. And I remember because I didn't know, people always talked about the rapper and I, I was, I saw that music video, and I thought it was like him just playing the part, like as the actor. I didn't realise that it was actually the same person. Um, I thought it was that. like when Rupert Brint plays Ed Sheeran. Yes, just like that. I thought, and then I found out that it was actually him, and I was like, "What the hell?" Um, uh, I, I can't think of it. And as soon as you say it, it's going to really kill me. It's on the tip of my tongue. She kind of was there. She knew what I was getting at. She knew yeah. that he was a rapper. His stage name when he is a rapper is Childish Gambino. Oh, that's it, yeah. Now you say it, I'm like, of course. That was literally on the tip of my tongue. So if you got Childish Gambino at home, give yourself a big tick. So, so far, Tash has got two out of four. So she needs this last one, really. Otherwise, I've won today's quiz by default, I would say. So my final question today about... Black lives and black stories and a celebration of black culture in Disney movies. Another princess and the frog question for you. I'm feeling kind. Who voices Tiana's mother, Eudora? Oh, Oprah Winfrey. It is Oprah Winfrey. I made that too easy for you. That was an easy one. Okay, I apologize. That was a good one though. Good. Yes, Oprah does, of course, star in Princess and the Frog as Eudora, Tiana's mother. So give yourself a big pat on the back if you got that one right. Well done, Tash. I think you did very well there. Three out of five, we will award you with today's special prize, which is that you can go and watch Black Panther as a treat. <laughs> okay, duly noted. I actually might go and watch it. I'm not just saying it. I actually might. I'm kind of in the mood to watch it after this. So really really good and if anyone is an all-stars five drag race fan you'll know that they did a little music video a couple of weeks ago and Shay Coulee did a fantastic verse all about Chadwick Boseman and there was a really cool bit where she was like Wakanda life and she did like the gesture and it was really cool and they I did it in um 
they did it in another series as well, didn't they? For like a, a challenge, I can't remember. They did. They did like a drag race, like yeah. version of of Black Panther. I think I can't remember what it was called. It was called something like Drag Panther, or I don't know. But yeah, they did. Yeah, it comes up a lot in Drag Race, and again, I think that's because you know drag. We're really going off on the tangent here, but drag as an art form is very celebratory of pop culture, and Black Panther, like not just for Disney, just for pop culture and, and, and history was such a pivotal moment in black culture you know this this black marvel character this black superhero and then to be nominated for oscars and stuff as well definitely give that one a watch tonight tash i will do absolutely well that concludes this week's episode we will be back next monday same time same place do make sure you join in with us then and bye for now Bye for now. And just before you leave, we are collecting unfortunate stories. Have you ever been to Disneyland Paris and not known your frontier land from your Tomorrowland? Perhaps you didn't realise that you actually need to arrive at the fireworks about an hour or so before to get a good spot. We want to hear from you. So if you have an unfortunate story, a situation you got yourself into in a Disney park from lack of experience, please get in touch. You can drop us an email, chatdisneyuk at gmail.com. Watch this space. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye.